0: Let's stand in the house of the
1: Lord tonight. Let's begin this morning, this evening, I'm sorry, with
2: an old hymn with the church. It literally just says, uh, he set me free, so let's
0: worship the Lord tonight.
1: in the house of the Lord tonight? Say amen. All right. The doors are open. The Lord is here.
0: Just for us to worship, let him inhabit our praises. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you. We Thank you for the touch you gave us this morning, Lord, and the wonderful service. Lord, I pray that you will continue to
1: abide with us and keep us, Lord. Help us to continue to praise you where you can inhabit the praises of your people. Be with us and keep us and we can further your kingdom with them. We ask in Jesus' holy, precious
0: name. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's worship the Lord. This is an old praise chorus that many of you may have heard before. It simply says, I feel the rain. I feel it falling down on me. The former and the latter rain together. I'm not talking about the weather. The Holy Ghost rain, it's falling down on me. So let's sing it
0: together today.
2: the world, it will bow down and say you are God. Let's sing it a cappella to the Lord. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. We sing, oh. transition
1: you have to pray, so you just stay here just for a second because we're going to sing that one more time here this this evening but I want to make note today uh, that if you were in service this morning, I know some of you may not have been here and that is okay but I just love it when God comes by for himself you know when I said that I felt impressed with the Lord to just see who would come to pray today or this morning, you know, you always think maybe one or two people will humor the pastor and move. And did, did I not, did not even expect, I know Sister Sherry had already went back to pray with someone else before then. I, I did not expect the volume of people that came up this morning. I, I was immensely surprised. I'm not going to lie to you. But sometimes it's easy to See something like that happen on Sunday morning or or at any any service, really. And then forget to give God praise for that. Sometimes it's easy to be like, okay, God, you did it great, but we move on. Like, it wasn't really that big of a deal. When in reality, it was really a big deal that he did that. That he took, God took time out of all the busyness of his schedule in heaven. All of the hundreds of churches all around the world. All the things God could have been doing to stop by and make sure his presence was felt here on Sunday morning. That's a pretty big deal that the God of heaven would take time to do that. It's a big deal. And the Bible tells us that the only thing God ever really wanted in return was for us to love him back. That was it. Just to love him. You know, I I know that. Some just got here a few minutes ago because they had a, a, a funeral or a homegoing service or, or someone they needed to be at today. You see, I bet you if we could walk in that funeral home today and, 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 and tangibly touch those people, I guarantee you there's people in that room that would have loved to say "I love you" to somebody one more time, one more time. But you know what? We serve a God that yes, He died on a cross. He did. He was put in a tomb. He had a burial, an internment. But he resurrected so that we don't have to wish we could tell him we loved him one more time. We can tell him we love him every single day of the week. So here's what I want us to do before we break the bread of life. I want us to take just a moment. We're going to sing this same line again. I want us to... Blot out all of the distractions. Blot out all of the noise of the music or the singing or whatever. I want this to become your moment personal with God. You and God right now. Where you tell God, not the pastor says, oh, how I love Jesus. Not Sister Jennifer or Sister Sherry says how much they love Jesus. No, you tell God, oh, how I, make it personal, I love Jesus. So let's make it personal to God today. We sing,
2: oh, how I love Jesus. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus.
1: I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those here tonight as we get ready to break forth your word today Let it go forth to accomplish what it is sent to do God we welcome your presence in this house in this moment just because it's Sunday night does not mean we still don't long to be with you We still want to have an encounter with you today For we love you praise you. I ask Lord that you would open the eyes to our hearts and the ears of so that those that are sitting under the sound of my voice tonight will hear what thus saith the word of God today I will forever give you the praise the glory and the honor In Christ Jesus we pray and the church together said Amen and amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord Just for a moment. I'll have you stand for the reading of God's word in just a second Turning your Bibles to mark chapter number 10. Let me give you a couple of housekeeping items I'm going to go to these slides here 10 and just for a moment up top Uh, We we just don't forget that you can uh, download the Our Church app and go to Santee Circle, C-O-G, and do that. You can also go uh, to uh, the Apple Store or to Google, uh, depending on what kind of device you have, and you can uh, see uh, those things. You can also subscribe to our podcast. You can go on Apple or Google Podcast, and you can actually type in your podcast. So if you listen to any other person on podcasting and you like to podcast and listen to things while you're driving in the car, good. Go to Santee Circle C-O-G and add us to your favorites and listen to us and delete everybody else off your phone. I am just kidding. Don't do that, but we'd love for you to follow us. Of course, if you ever have any questions of any information What's going on around this campus, what's going on, you can always go to SanteeCircleCog.org, find all the information on the internet, you can see our services broadcast again, you can watch us on Facebook and YouTube, both of those channels are Santee Circle C-O-G, you can go on our our SanteeCircleCog.org, you can give online, you can see what's happening, you can check out all the calendar of events, all that information is on there, it's also on the app as well. Also, for those that like to give to the church, we always try to make it as easy as possible. There are four ways. You can give in-house in the boxes, uh, the two beside the podium, and the one right out the double doors there. You can mail it, 1211 North Highway 52, uh, Monks Corner, South Carolina, 29, 29461. You can also go to tithe.ly. It's an app, and you can download that app and look for our church. Or you can go to our website, org. The top's going to say giving. You click that little uh, uh, header or that banner, and it will give you the form. And all you got to do is just put in what you want to give, how often you want to give, and you hit submit, and it does the rest of it for you. So for people that say, oh, Pastor, I'd love to bless your church. I just don't know if I can do it. Well, you got plenty of options to do it right there. I can't make it much more simpler than coming to your house and asking you to hand me the money in my hand. So, so uh, there are multiple ways to give. And we are still giving towards... Uh, Our ministry opportunity don't forget uh that we are partnering with change lives ministries we're trying to raise money to support this local drug and alcohol rehabilitation program we have set a goal we'd like from our church to raise about five uh, excuse me about five hundred to a thousand dollars if we can do that uh, that would be great my goal is a thousand dollars and can i tell you we're already six hundred dollars on the way we're only four hundred dollars short from the goal already so god is good so Keep if you're willing to give to that, just put on a tithing envelope, CLM, or or you know on that, or you can give us the money directly. You don't have to use a tithing envelope or online. Just put CLM. But if you'd like to give to that for the drug and rehabilitation program, uh, there we're we're ministering them. Pray for Pastor tomorrow. I will be preaching or, or teaching at CLM's Men House Men's House tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. So we are excited about this ministry and being a part of that ministry all right so now let's get ready for the word of god today mark chapter 10 if you'll stand for god's reading today i won't make you stand very long but we will stand for the reading of god's word today they came to a city called jericho and as he went out of jericho jesus they were talking about with his disciples a great number of people blind bartimaeus the son of timaeus sat by the highway begging And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace or be quiet. But he cried out the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort and arise. He calleth thee, or some translations will say the master calleth. For thee. And the blind man, he casting away his garments, rose up and came to Jesus. Jesus answered unto him, saying, Wilt thou that I should what is it that I shall do for thee? The blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith have made thee whole. And then immediately He received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to pick up part two of what we started last week, a sermon entitled, Pardon My Intrusion. Pardon My Intrusion. Heavenly Father, I pray you would bless the reading of this word in the midst of your people today. I pray that something that is said and done, and whether it was in the song service or something in this message, God would... Change, challenge, chastise, convict the hearts of men and women. And Father, tonight I'm asking you to take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary, and let me proclaim what thus saith the word of the Lord today. Bless the hearers, but not only the hearers, but the doers of the word likewise. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray, God's people together said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For some of you that weren't here last week, let me uh, very quickly recap part one, and we will go through this very quickly. You see, COVID has taught us a lot of things. COVID has taught us that one thing, can literally shut down the entire world. It taught us that. So it's not so far off to believe or so far-fetched to think about that there will come a time when the mark of the beast comes that it will be so inclusive that people will just be victimized by it and it will spread all over the world. It is not so far out in the near distant future where we will see a one-world currency. It is not that hard to fathom or come to the realization that one thing can change the entire world. Something like this pandemic can cause nations of the world to want to pool their resources and make everything one world currency and one world government so that we all can help each other out. It's not so far-fetched to believe that. COVID taught us other things like the value of family and friends. It taught us that we take at times life for granted. Think about it. We're so used to we can just get in the car, run up to Cracker Barrel and grab dinner with somebody and go to Target or go to Walmart and do what we need to do until you can't. Until you can't go because all the restaurants are shut down. And if you do have to go to Walmart or Target, you you have to mask up and you can only count so many people in. And you have to stand in a line just to go. And and it's not so hard to believe because we saw it happen that literally the things we take for granted sometimes can no longer be at our disposal. COVID also taught us that if we're not careful, we will not appreciate the things that we just come to expect to always have, like toilet paper. Who in their minds would have ever thought that toilet paper would be bartered like gold for people to have it? Like you would go and you would be rationing it and you would basically be like, hey, I'll give you a can of green beans if you'll give me a roll of toilet paper. Who thought you'd have to barter for that stuff? But it happened. COVID taught us a lot of things. Sadly, I would like to say that COVID only taught us about the world, except there's one problem. COVID taught us a lot about the church, too. COVID taught us about how many people really love God and how many people were just the fluff. COVID taught us that... The scripture of don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves as in the manner of some, some taught us, COVID taught us that some people had never obviously read that passage in scripture. Hello. COVID taught the church that while we often say we're men and women of faith, we operate in spirits of fear. COVID taught us that even though we, we and we did at this church do our best to, to follow Protocol and do sanitation stations and have temperature checks and all those things. And those that still wear masks, that is totally fine. Nobody will condemn you for that. And while all that took place, COVID also taught us that God, that, that death is no respecter of persons. It is appointed unto man everyone to at least die, then to judge by God. Everybody will face that judgment one day. COVID taught us that. A lot of people before it talked about their faith in God, but when their faith was put to the test, they didn't have as much faith as they said they had in God. I said to you last week that Jericho was the city known as the city of palm trees or lunar deities, and outside of the city gates sat all the the beggars and the the uh, 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 diseased, the disenfranchised, the, the people who were the outsiders, the outcasts, the, no, they were the, the, the non-inclusive uh, uh, members of society. These were the people nobody wanted to associate with. They were on the outside. Now, so the city represented a fortified place where you could could have safety and security, but, but the beggars, the disenfranchised, the downtrodden, the brokenhearted, the lepers, they had to sit on the outside. They were not included in the upper echelon of society. I said to you last week that I am afraid that when COVID shut everything down, including the church, that when things opened back up and things happened, that the church lost its vision for the lost, the disenfranchised, the downtrodden, because what we have done, and I'm not talking this local church, I'm talking the universal churches all over the world. We have become an inclusive church rather than an exclusive church. We have decided, we have cookie-cuttered who we want to come. If they only look a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, they can come to our church. But if they're a little bit different than us, if they talk a little different than us, if they, if they act a little different than us, instead of us trying to bring them in and love them into the fold of, and the family of God and disciple them, no, we'd rather send them across town because we don't want them to contaminate what we already have they'll mess up the feng shui they'll mess up the good that we've accomplished as if we were the one that accomplished it versus God you see i am afraid that there are many churches all over this world they've lost their vision for the disenfranchised the those on the outside of the ark of safety the bible said jesus was coming out of the city he was passing by he was headed out. He was leaving. But he, he didn't stop except for one reason. He stopped because there was an annoyance, if you will, that was being heard over the sound of men talking on these dusty roads. While these men are conversing on these dusty roads and talking about what Jesus had done in the city and what they were doing for their supper that night and where they were going for their next ministry assignment. While all that's going on, there became an annoyance in church. <laughs> See, Bartimaeus was not supposed to be heard. He was, it wasn't so bad for him to be seen, but he was supposed to not have been heard. And while the men are walking on this journey and they are are, are studying their, their, their ministerial assignments at the feet of Jesus, and where are we going to next? What's the next tent revival? What's the next camp meeting? What's the next service? Where are we going, Jesus? While they're trying to have this discussion, this vocational discussion, the annoyance of a cry is heard. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I would like to tell you that the sinners were the ones that told Bartimaeus to be quiet. But that is not what the Bible says. It was the church people that said to blind Bartimaeus, you're disrupting our service. I need you to be quiet. It breaks my heart as a Pentecostal preacher. Pastor, I said to you this morning in church, if, if we don't believe that the cross that we have on our sign out there still represents the, the blood-stained uh, uh, banner or the bloodstained uh, 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 way that leads us to heaven where Jesus died, and, and if we still don't believe in the power of Pentecost, the, the flame that comes out from it, that represents the embodiment of the Holy Spirit, then we are a false representation and a poor representation of who we say we are. We're false advertising. And I, I would like to say that it was the sinners, but it was the church people saying, don't disrupt our service. Hold your peace. See, one thing I love about Pentecostal churches is it's not unexpected for someone to be a little vocal or noisy. If I wanted to be nominal, if I wanted to be liturgical, if I wanted to be silent, if I wanted to have a more more reverent and intimate and and a a not quite so noisy environment, there are plenty of other churches for me to choose that environment. But I did not choose that way because I am like the prophet said. Once he got inside of me there was a fire that started to kind of shuffle up inside my bones, and I could not contain it any longer. I would not do well in a quiet nominal church. It would bug me to death. It would drive me nuts because I couldn't do it. Now my fear is that many Pentecostal churches are becoming more nominal, becoming more silent becoming more, uh, 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 if you will, uh, plateau in worship. I'm not saying that there's not times that we don't just sit under the sweet spirit of the Lord and it's not going to always be jumping and shouting. But I will say that if that's the norm when we're always quiet, then something's wrong with us as Pentecostal believers. The norm should not be silence on this property at 1211 North Highway 52. The norm should be, there should be singing, there should be clapping, there should be shouting, there should be amening, there should be an excitement about the presence of the Lord in the midst. But I am afraid that too many churches have perfected the art of doing church rather than experiencing and having church. We've got The light system's so synchronized that as soon as it hits double zeros, the lights know to pan down, and this light knows to go here, and this screen goes here, and this strobe goes there. We have perfected the production of church. We just don't have the power of church anymore. I'm not saying people that use lights and all that stuff, that's what they use, and that's their church. God bless them. But if there's no power in the house, they're just putting on a production for people to come to on Sunday morning. And those people that pay their tithes and offerings, they're not giving to God. They are paying their entrance fee or their ticket to watch the show. That's what we're doing. Because without God and without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing when we come to church. We have a building. We have lights. And that's about all we've got. Nothing else. Outside of God, we waste our time to come to church if that's all we come for. And he's not here. Bartimaeus is told to be quiet. Bartimaeus is told to hold his peace. I love that when the church told him to be silent, that made Bartimaeus more mad. See, in today's society, if someone were to be an annoyance in church, we would have the sergeant of arms or the usher committee or the hospitality team leader or the security detail to come or excuse me, the emergency response, you're not supposed to call them security, the emergency response team, they would come and so politely tap you on the shoulder and say, now we have a nice room in the back with the window and you can see service, but can you politely come out of service? You're going to be a disruption to the pastor. And you're going to be a disruption to the singing. That's what they tried to do to Bartimaeus. You're a disruption. So I'm going to need you to leave. Notice that while they tried to get the annoyance to leave, that's the only thing that got Jesus to stay. I wonder how many times when things are going on in church, when men and women across the the, the aisle see people doing this or that and the other or or think, man, they're really loud or they're really annoying. I'm struggling worshiping. I wonder how many times that if those sergeant of arms and those other people escorted them out, if they don't escort Jesus right out with them. Because Jesus only stopped for the one that was the annoyance, not the rest of the crowd. He stopped for the one that cried out the loudest for him. Not the silent the loudest the church see what we understand is there was a cry that was heard Bartimaeus said Jesus son of it he had been ostracized he had been barren he had been born from the city he had been looked down upon he had he but you know it's one thing I love about Bartimaeus Bartimaeus did not really care what you thought about him it would behoove the church to get to a place not just our property, not just the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, not just the Baptist Methodist, I'm, not talk, I'm talking about all churches. It would behoove all churches to get to a point, we just did not care what others thought about us anymore, we come to love Jesus. We come to sing songs like, Oh, How I Love Jesus. We come to sing songs, King of Glory, Fill This Place. We come to sing songs, I'm caught up in this moment. Nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. I just want you. If we could ever understand the words of those songs, nothing else matters. I just want you. Things would be different in church. They would be. The reason they're not different is because we don't want them to be different. Because we're afraid if they get different, that might mess up our, our, our comfortable bubbles that we're in and we don't like to be uncomfortable. People that get uncomfortable, they you can always tell when somebody's uncomfortable. They start wringing their hands. They start laughing. They, they start getting anxious. They start pacing the floor. You can always tell when someone's not comfortable. See, I remember a day when the Holy Ghost would come in church. You could tell who had been in services like that and who didn't because you could see the ones who were uncomfortable when he, wrote, when he showed up. And what what I learned a long time ago by observing that is oftentimes those same people that were walking back and forth on their pew or they're grabbing the back of the pew as hard as they can eventually something got a hold of them And the pacing couldn't go left and right, but it went north and south. And they left a pew, and they came to an altar. And the grip that they once had on a pew now was gripping a horn of an altar. And the tears that they were shedding back there somehow stained carpet up here. And the same person that sat there was not the same person that left here. And by the time they got out there, there was a total different transformation of the person we just saw. But you don't see that no more. Because we don't want that. That messes up our comfortability. He didn't care what people thought about him. I said to you last week, it would behoove us as the church to quit worrying about what Washington thought about us. Quit worrying about what this political party, that just just blot that out, throw your TV outside the window. Don't even have TV for all I care. But, but if that's the only hope you got, you are going to be of all men most miserable. Get some different to watch. You're going to be miserable and depressed if you watch the world news right now. So just come to church and don't worry about it. There you go. There's your plug this week. Just turn the TV off, come to church, and you ain't got to worry about it. Because you got a whole lot better chance of finding something better and and have something to hold on to when you leave here than you do what you see out there. I can promise you. There was a cry. I told you last week of the cries of the disciples. They were on the boat, Jesus in the bow of the boat, and they're crying. Basically, God, do you not care? We're about to die. We're drowning down here. I mean, what are you doing down there? Jesus comes up, and he's like, oh, ye of little faith, did you think? I mean, I'm on the boat. Do you think it's going to sink while I'm on the boat? And he tells the storm to subside, and it does. Everywhere in Scripture, most of the time, the people that wanted Jesus bad enough didn't care what people around them thought of them. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't care if she had to knock everybody out of her way. She had to get to the feet of him. Everybody that needed Jesus, when when Lazarus died, uh, Martha didn't care that people saw her crying profusely as she got to Jesus and said, where were you when he died? When Mary got to him, she didn't care that everybody was watching her makeup run because she had been staining it, and her eye mascara made her look like Adam Raccoon. She didn't care because she needed Jesus. Nothing else mattered. She needed Jesus at that moment. When we get to a point, nobody... Lord, help me here. When we get to a point, forget the world. When we get to a point that we don't care what the person sitting beside me thinks, or the person on this side thinks, or the person on this side thinks... Or what the person on this pew thinks. Or what the person on that side of the church. When we get to a point we don't care even what each other thinks in church. That's when we will see God show up. When we put aside all the distractions and all those things. And say I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what she thinks. I care what God thinks. And I've come to give God the greatest praise I can. I just want you Jesus. That's all I want. Just you. So, after he cries out, Jesus gives a charge. Jesus tells them, Jesus gives a charge, but so does the church. The church says, be quiet. Hold your peace. You're disruptive. You're going you're to make people uncomfortable. But Jesus also gave a charge. Because by verse 49... He calls for Bartimaeus. Go read verse 49. Jesus stopped and commanded him that called to be called. So they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer. He is calling for you. Go back and read it. Verse 49. It's right there in Scripture. See if I can get it to pull up. He stood still. He stopped in his tracks. Nothing else will stop God in his tracks than when he hears somebody crying out in distress for him. It doesn't matter how crazy heaven is going and no no matter what kind of house party they're having, as soon as the ears of the Father hears the cry of someone down here, he tells all of heaven to stop and be quiet and he listens to what they need. And he said, Call the blind man. And they went to the blind man and said, be of good cheer. Or, or, the, or the King James says, be of good comfort. The, the new King James says, be of good cheer. Get up. He is calling for you. Can you imagine? Just let that sink in for a moment. Can you imagine the power that are in those words? Could you imagine what church would be like if right now in the middle of this service God's glory came down and He started calling you by name? Think about that. You know, I was growing up as a kid one of the most uncomfortable things that I ever, ever experienced or ever was a part of or I hated more than anything else was the people that could read other people's mail. That freaked me out. I always prayed, God, don't give them a word for me. Y'all think I'm kidding. That really was my prayer. Even if it was a good word, I I was going to probably pass out in their route coming towards me, so just don't even tell me any word from God. Just you keep it. I had men that served in my father's church, and I had seen the evangelists come through. It shocked me. Men and women who knew nothing about a situation come walking in and would scan the audience and say, hey, you, come here. And they'd stand there before them and, They would literally look them eyeball to eyeball. And it was like they were reading a teleprompter of this person's life. And tears. I'm I'm not talking about those little, oh yeah, thank you Jesus, that was a good service. No, I'm not talking about the ones that you're patty-caking God with praise. Just, oh thank you. No, I'm not talking about those. I'm talking the big crocodile, the whelping tears would just pour. Makeup is running. Eyes are swollen. Face is red. Snot is falling everywhere. Because they knew God, they knew God, they knew God was talking to them. They couldn't denounce it, they couldn't deny it, He was talking to them. And I've seen men and women stand there and and they would have no idea, even the pastor at times wouldn't know and he'd stand there like, couldn't believe what was happening and those men and women would speak, God said, God told me, now let me say something to you. You better be careful what you say God said and didn't say if you don't know God said and didn't say it. Because the Bible said people that say God said something and it never comes to pass, that's called a false prophet. And God has no room for those. So you better be careful about following following everybody that says, well, I'm anointed, I I got a word from God. You better not follow everything that croaks because everything that croaks may not be a frog. And if it is a frog, it might be one that's about to die. So you might not want to follow that frog. See they would stand there and they'd start reading mail God said for me to tell you God said that he saw your tears God said that He heard you say, and they would start saying words that those people had never told people they used to utter in their bedroom chambers or in the living rooms or in their prayer closets. I mean, they'd say things, you told God it wasn't supposed to be this way. You told God that you don't know why He didn't take you instead of them. You told God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. You told, And they would start spitting these one after the other, and tears just pouring down their face. God said for me to tell you that today you might be doing this but tomorrow God's going to do this and they would just start speaking and it would come to pass like clockwork. I mean you'd leave that place and it would be one thing behind the other behind the other behind the other and before it's over you're like oh my goodness you knew the Shekinah of glory. God himself was in the house and you were like don't move, don't breathe, don't chew gum, don't put a mint in in fact even if you had to go to the bathroom you didn't even move you just had to go in, go in your clothes if you had to because you were scared to move because God himself was in the building. The only problem is nobody's afraid of God coming in the building anymore. We don't have a fear for God anymore. We don't. Because if we still had that same reverent fear for God, when things happen in the services that we see it, and I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking universally, when we see certain things happening, it would draw us to be moved by the Spirit of God, to pray more, or to fast more, or to get in the Word more. There would be something about that Spirit that would interlink with ours because God is a discerner of the Spirit, and something would, would happen, it would grip our heart and change us in our way of life. And they would read this, I, I, I love the way the writer of Mark, the the writer here says it. He says that Jesus told them, you go call him for me. And the church people that once was the ones telling him, keep your mouth shut. You are one annoying son of a gun. They're the same ones that have to go to him, eat crow, and say of all the people in this entire room that Jesus could have stopped and wanted to have a one-on-one conversation with of all people. He's asking for your low-down, sorry, disenfranchised, disheartened, broken-hearted, blind as a bat, ridiculous loser of a man named Bartimaeus. That's the man he's calling. I don't even know why God would call you, but we came to get you because God said he wanted to see you. Wow. What if God walked in this room tonight and he looked, scanned this whole audience? and he picked the least person we expected but didn't say anything to us how would we feel if he walked in this room and i'll just you know i'll just use brother randy for an example but let's say everybody in here thought brother randy was the last person god should have spoke to today and god walked in here and his presence walked in here and the only person somebody came in here and had a word from god and they gave it to brother randy and they walked out and didn't say anything to the rest of you you know what you all say that was rude that was not very nice what kind, of, what kind of Christian are they that's what we'd say all those people missed a moment with Jesus because they were too worried about following protocol programs and outlines than they were throwing all that out and just following Jesus there are too many people that are too concerned about their programs and their, 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 their uh, outlines and, and all of the protocols. That's supposed. There's too many people worried about the production rather than throwing that out the window and just following Jesus. Simple as that. Follow Jesus. Bartimaeus sat there. He is called by God. Notice that Jesus heard him from a distance, though. Jesus has yet to get face-to-face with Bartimaeus. He's only heard him from a distance. That tells me that sometimes I may not see God very up close and personal in my situation. But that does not mean he's that far away if I just call on his name. Because the Bible tells me that he is as close as the very mention of his name. There are going to be times in my life I'm not going to feel Jesus right there with me every step of the way. There are going to be times I don't always feel that He's walking with me and talking with me and telling me he's, that I am His own. There's not always going to be the times we share in joy, the joys we share as we tarry there. None others. none ever. Done. There's not always going to be times I feel Him right there. But that does not mean He's not near. Just because I can't feel Him right now does not mean he's not close by if I call on him. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle a situation. I don't know how I'm going to face it. I do. Just learn one word, Jesus. That's all you got to learn. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to face the doctor's appointment. Jesus. What do you mean, preacher? Jesus. That's, that's how you're going to face it. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to face this imploding divorce that's happening. In my, my world's being thrown upside down and everything's happening. I can. Jesus. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to face this, this sickness. They told me I got cancer. They, they told me I may not make it. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I've got so many things to line up, and i got children and grandchildren. I, Pastor, I'm afraid to die. I don't know, Pastor. I don't know what I'm going to do. I do. Jesus. Pastor, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. I lost my job. Things are not going well. My finances are in disarray. I've got so much problems going on in my world. Pastor, I feel like I'm at my wit's end. I don't have a thread of hope left. I'm dying on the inside. I don't know. I'm losing my mind. i got something for you. Jesus. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pastor, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this children. My child's going to he's he's got drugs and alcohol problems, and he's in and out of rehab, and he's causing me problems, and I'm I'm aging faster than I should be. And Pastor, I feel like that that I'm literally gonna die from the stress that's on me. I got something for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares upon you. Take his yoke upon you, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Who is that? Jesus, that's who it is. Give it to Jesus, that's who it is. How am I gonna face divorce? Jesus. How am I gonna face the son or daughter that's a drunk? Jesus, how am I going to help the drug addict? Jesus, how am I going to see my daughter and son safe? Jesus, how's my grandchildren going to know how to make it to heaven? Jesus, how's the church going to grow? Jesus, how am I going to get another job and pay my bills? Jesus, how am I going to find another church? Jesus, how am I going to get over cancer? Jesus, how am I going to get over this sickness? Jesus, how am I going to get over my disability? Jesus, whatever you have need of, it's real simple. Give it to Jesus. That's it. Jesus is all you need to know. That's it. Jesus. He called on Jesus. He refused to hold his peace. The noise of the crowd was heard. Now I've learned something that is probably going to rock your theology, and I'm about to close. We have been conditioned in the United States of America. That the larger the crowd, the greater the anointing of the man. Oh, that man's got five thousand people going to his church. Oh, that's a man of God. I, I'm not gonna say they are or they are not, other than follow their ministry and see how that stuff falls out and if they are if what they say comes to pass and all that stuff. I mean that's that's neither here nor there. But 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 I, I do have one problem with that theory. See, Jesus had 12 guys. 11 were pretty good. One guy, he, he kind of was not so good. Jesus got one. But see, that should just let you know there's always one bad apple among everybody. I mean, Jesus got to hand pick them. And one of them still got messed up. So when you think you got that one person in your family that's a little cray-cray, don't worry. Jesus picked one too. It's okay. It's okay. See, what happens was he had 12. Now, he had masses. Oh, man. He fed 5,000 plus women and children, so somewhere probably between fifteen to 20,000 people ate that day. On another occasion, he fed 4,000 plus. I mean, if there was ever a man who people would sit, thousands of people on the Judean hillside, and listen to a man teach, I mean, you thought Aristotle and Plato and the Greek philosophers were good teachers. There was none like Jesus. I mean, just the words he would share, the sheer wisdom, people would flock. I mean, Nicodemus, who knew what the Scripture said, and he knew he was of the pharisaical uh, sect, but he still had to sneak off in the middle of the night to go talk to him because he knew there's something different about this man than anybody else I've ever studied under. But I love that there's all these crowds. But you know what? The service was over, and everybody went home, and Jesus would... Would he be with his 12 disciples? Sometimes he would even get it less than that. He'd get down to three. Peter, James, and John. And I started thinking about that. Every Sunday morning, Jesus got 5,000 people. Man, that must be the moniker. You get a big crowd, that must mean, no. You get a big crowd, that means you just know how to make people feel good. I can, I I mean, I can draw a big crowd. You could draw, any of us can draw a big crowd if we have the right tools. You offer the right amount of free stuff, the free goods. You, you offer, you know, you, you don't preach on sin. You make everybody feel good about their life. You never make anybody have to live a holy and righteous, blameless life before God. You never teach them how to dress better, how to walk better, how to live better, how to talk better, how to watch TV better, how to listen to music. If you never actually up in their apple cart, oh, you can draw a crowd if you don't mess up their life. You can draw a crowd. But I learned something that's probably going to shock you and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe the pastor even admitted this or said this. You don't have to believe this, but this is what I believe. And if your spirit bears witness with it, praise God, you are right today. If it doesn't bear witness, I will pray for you till you get it right today. But here's what I have come to formulate about this. Just because there is a crowd doesn't mean Jesus is there. Pastor, I can't believe you'd say that. That's not scriptural, really. Peter says to Jesus, Master, there's a crowd of people thronging you. How dare you ask if someone touched you? There's hundreds of people touching you, Jesus. The response Jesus gave was very much the indicator of why I feel the way I feel about what I just said. Peter said, Lord, I don't even know how you can say somebody's touching you. I mean, there's like 500, 5,000, 500,000. How many people's out here, Lord? There's people touching you everywhere. I mean, how are you going to say somebody touched you? I'm sure somebody's bumped into you to a time or two trying to get to you. He said, Peter, you don't understand. This is not the same kind of touch. Because the person that just touched me, I felt the healing virtue. I felt the power of God, the virtue come out of me. Peter, you don't understand. I've had a lot of people touch me, but it didn't move me. But this one moved. And he looks around, and this woman with fear and trembling says, I'm sorry, it was me, Lord. And he said, what is, what is it? And she said, I've, I've got this issue of blood and all this different thing. And he said, because of your faith, go, daughter, you are made well. So that tells me thousands of people can be in a room. Thousands. But that does not guarantee Jesus is it? right in the middle of all those thousands. But he might walk in the room for just one. Whether there's 65 people, 75 people, 750 people, if one person ever wants to hear from Jesus and wants him, he'll show up for that crowd. Now, I don't know what the other 749 people or the other 74 or 64 people in church that Sunday will do, but if one person wants him bad enough, he will move for one. For one. For one. He calls for Bartimaeus. He has some concerns. He said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? As Miss Carol makes her way. See, I have often thought about this story, and you're probably going to think, well, Pastor, that really took a lot of thinking to get that answer out of you. Jesus already knew he was blind. It wasn't like Jesus walked up and been like, yo, man, how's it going? How many fingers am I holding up? He already knew he was blind. What a dumb question. Dude's blind, cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have have mercy on me. What kind of dumb question is it to ask? And what do you want to do? Well, if you really want to know the truth, it's not as dumb of a question as it seems. Because if Barnabas would have said, I just want some change, because that's what beggars do, We, we beg. I just want some change to be able to go buy a Big Mac at McDonald's. Jesus might have said, "Okay," and handed him a five-dollar bill, and then he would send him on his way. But see, Brother Gil, what would have happened is he would have aided—if Jesus would have done that, or if the beggar would have said that, Jesus would have done that. All Jesus would have done is further aid and abet the situation the man is in. But Jesus wanted to know: Do you want me to just keep blessing the situation you're in, or do you want me to change and get you out of the situation? Because sometimes God, if that's what you want to do, is just live in the pig pen of life, if that's what you want, God sometimes will let you do that. But if you want something different, God's willing to get you out of it too. He said, what do you want me to do? I think if Bartimaeus would have said, I just want some change. Jesus would have said, okay. Peter, give him some change. Go catch a fish, give him some coins, and we'll be on our way. Jesus asked the question because he wanted to know what the man wanted. I wonder if Jesus came to church tonight, And he asked us that question, what would our answer be? See, the Bible tells us Jesus already knows what we have need of before we pray. It doesn't have to be like, well, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed or not. My world's caving in. No, he already saw that. He knew that. You don't have to always tell him, Lord, it's caving in. No, but what would you like me to do for you while it's caving in? Do you want me just to get you through the night? Or do you want me to get you through, not just through the situation, but get you out and move you on a different path? See, Jesus is concerned with every facet of our lives. He's not just concerned about leaving you in your situation or your status. He's more interested about changing your status. He's more concerned not about you staying in your beggar's clothes, staying in that plot of life. He's more concerned about helping you get out of that life. God doesn't want to leave you in your sin sickened state He wants to save you out of that sin sickened state see as long as Bartimaeus is blind he cannot get a job he cannot provide for himself he cannot have a family but if Jesus heals him he doesn't have to beg for money he can go earn money because he's now physically made whole to do it himself I know Jesus didn't write this but I definitely think it would apply to Jesus if you give a man a fish you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach that man how to fish, you'll feed him for the rest of his life. I feel like sometimes in church, we're more interested in putting band-aids on situations rather than letting healing take place. We'd rather patch you up just to get you by rather than making sure you're healed and made whole when you leave. We're not we're interested in just putting a cover up on it rather than putting some neosporin, spiritual neosporin, and watch that thing get better. See, Jesus is concerned. See, God's not only concerned about us, but he's capable to do something about it. And so here's what he did. He tells him, he said, Okay, the man says, This is what I want, Jesus. I want to be made whole. I want to see. And Jesus said, That's what you want? Yes, I want to see. Jesus said, okay, go your way. Faith has made you well, go your way. See, he gave Bartimaeus a specific command. Go your way, your faith has made you well. That's pretty specific. Get up, go. Get up, go. You can't get much more specific than that. that's pretty self-explanatory don't take a a, you know a rocket scientist go means go if I said to you I'm done I don't want to talk no more I'm finished y'all go ahead and go that's pretty self-explanatory go go not hard Jesus gave him a specific command go but there is a responsibility still on Bartimaeus in this moment he has a choice to make He can either get up and follow the command and go, or he can still sit out here with the beggars. What he's always done. He has a choice to make. I firmly believe that had he chosen to stay with the beggars, he would have not got healed. Because he didn't follow what God said to do. I really believe that. Oftentimes, I do believe miracles don't happen because we don't follow the instructions that's already been given. Pastor I don't know why God's not blessing me and I don't know why God's not bringing my miracle are you following his instructions are you following if he said go will you go faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of the Lord but the Bible says don't just be hearers of it but doers likewise you can hear anything but if you don't do nothing about it you just heard it that didn't really do you much good you got to do something with it Now I'm not advocating play the lottery but let me just use it because it's an easy way to explain this. If I gave everybody in here a lottery ticket you scratched it off and tonight you watched the news and it said you were the jackpot winner and you had it. Every number. And you said oh, lucky me, I got it. And you laid it on the bar and did nothing about it. Guess what? You're not getting the money. They're not coming knocking at your door saying oh, I heard you got the ticket. You, wanna, you want us to bring you your money? No. It's not DoorDash of the jackpot lottery you would have to go claim the prize we expect God to just do it when sometimes he's expecting a little bit of responsibility on our end too we got to pray about it we got to seek it we got to come we got to do something besides just sit back and hope he does it he said get up and go God has all the power he has the intentionality he has the ability to do that I wonder how many times God has wanted to come by churches, invade their services, permeate His presence in the midst, interrupt, and if you will, possibly even say, pardon my intrusion on your schedule, but we didn't have time for Him. Oh, uh, I don't have time for that, Lord. I don't have time to wait. I don't know what I want. I don't know, because we're not willing do what he said get up and go see I can say to you tonight in closing Jesus gave a commandment in Matthew go he therefore that means get out the church go find everybody else and tell them about Jesus the highways byways compel them to come I can say if you got a need in the house today will you come that means go to the altar see there's a lot of times in services there are commands if you will that are given Not not necessarily because we're somebody special, but we're trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't follow the command, you cannot expect the blessing. You can't expect it. Bartimaeus doesn't get up. He can't expect to see. He can't expect to see. Your expectation is directly attached to the level of your miracle that you'll receive. If you don't expect God's going to do it, chances are you're not going to receive it that simple I said last week I close today with this (laughs) when I began to formulate this message a couple weeks ago I thought God you got a sense of humor you have the audacity (laughs) to lay this on my heart Preach to your people on a Sunday night of all less. Well that's God, that's like the cream of the crop. That's where all the people are already saved. Nobody comes to church unsaved on Sunday night. Nobody's that crazy. Ain't nobody unsaved gonna come to church on Sunday night. They're gonna come on Sunday morning because they think it's safer then. Ain't nobody coming on Sunday night crazy and not saved. They're setting themselves up for failure. Then I began to think about COVID. And I said all that to 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 set you up for this moment. The message was, pardon my intrusion. See, I'm not stupid. I know I look it at times. There are times that I walk into the store and I know stupid has to be written across my face just for the sheer volume of people who come up to me and carry on a conversation with me that I don't want to talk to. I was at Target just a couple weeks ago. Some dude walks up to me. And says, hey, man, do you know where I can find, like, cars just for, like, girlfriends and stuff? I just want a car. I was like, oh, they might be over here. And I go walking. I was like, oh, they're right here. Have a nice day. Which this dude just wants to start talking for 30 minutes and tell me his story. Oh, I've been dating this girl. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I have this company. I do this. I do that. Shares his whole life story. He's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a pastor. After he already told me that he was nothing but a Christian. And I was like, oh, I'm a preacher. And he's like, oh, really? That's so cool, man. I'm thinking, uh, not based on what you just described. That's not a cool idea. And, and this is how he ends the conversation. Man, I feel like we got a connection. Can I have your phone number? I was like, oh. I ain't never had a dude ask me out like that before. That was kinda of weird. Especially when Brianna was standing beside me. I was like, This is getting really awkward. She's got a ring on it, guys, so like I don't I don't I'm not interested. I'm I'm spoken for today. I said that because, you know, in that moment we're having this conversation. And it was humorous and it was funny at the time. I got in the car and I busted out laughing. But here's what I thought as I was already thinking about this message. Sometimes, yeah, you could look at that and say that was really inc- he was really inconsiderate. He was inconvenienced of you. God just come there, do- not dominate the 30-minute conversation with you. But then it something dawned on me. I knew I was going to be preaching this message, but I thought about this. I thought, I wonder if God sits in heaven and he thinks that or he sees that, maybe not even thinks, he sees that. If he stopped by for church, he would be intruding on our time. I wonder if God sits in heaven and he sees how Sunday morning services go all across this land. Now before I say this, and somebody goes out on social media and starts bashing me and having, you know, some kind of, you know, live five news here tomorrow morning when I get here to the office. I'm not bashing churches who don't have Sunday night or Wednesday night. That's their prerogative, how they they have a pastor he does what he feels like is best for his congregation small groups whatever group that's his prerogative that is not on me but let me help you understand something when I arrived here in 2019 we did have Sunday night service that's who we were that's what we did when COVID hit and we did Sunday morning only and then had to go out online for a while and we come back slowly had to get back into the swing of things it has become very apparent to me not just in this church, but talking to my friends and other pastors, it's become very apparent to me. Church has become inconveniencing for people now. Because they've gotten so used to being able to get their fix, go to the 9 a.m. service, and then they got all day to go on the lake and on the boat. Or oh, if they don't like the 9 o'clock, they can come to the 11 o'clock, but they're gonna once they get out at 11:00 o'clock get you on know, 12.30, they grab some lunch, and then they still got all day to do their thing. Or pastor, you don't understand Sunday's the only day for me and my family that's my family day, Saturdays, we have to clean the yard and we have to do this and we have to, do. Sunday's the only day we can just have fun, you don't think taking them to church is not a good thing to do with your family because I had noticed it even before COVID hit but I have really seen it happen since COVID hit you can have 150 people show up on Sunday morning but you'd be lucky to pull 35 on Sunday night how? Somebody missed the memo. You can have 60 people on Sunday morning, 15 people on Sunday night. I know some churches they won't even go back now. They said it's it literally it's, it's literally financially not smart for them to have church because they're losing, if you will, keeping the building heated and cooled all day for the amount of people that are showing up. That's sad. When you can't even afford to have church on Sunday night because it is more taxing on the money because there's not enough people coming to make it worth running the power bill. Think about what I just said. You know why? Because right now we're intruding on somebody's time. You know why young people and young adults and other people that are not big on Sunday night? Because we're intruding. We're taking away the late time. We're taking away the boat time. We're, taking, we're intruding on their schedule. Boy, I I wonder how that makes God feel when he is an intrusion to us he walked up Calvary's hill he walked down the Via Della Rosa he walked off those streets and he he had his his flesh exposed and he was in so much pain and agony that no human being could ever imagine the amount of pain he felt he died on a cross he literally died the most inhumane gruesome death ever documented in human history and he's an inconvenience to us I can't give, God, God, I cannot give you three hours in a day. From 11 to 1230 and from 6 to 730. God, three hours of 24, I don't have enough time for you. One day a week. (laughs) One day a week, God, I can't give you three hours of my time. That's sad, church. That's sad. See what I'm afraid of and then I'm going to pray. I'm afraid we're going to get to a point in the universal church that Sunday nights are going to come and become a thing of the past because it's going to slowly just keep trickling down because as these next generations start growing up when they don't see that church is a big deal to mama and daddy guess what when mama and daddy are too old to come they ain't going to think it's important to come either so they're not coming either and then I'm going to be standing here on Sunday night looking at this big old auditorium empty and teaching a Bible study for 10 or 15 people online because nobody would be in this building with me. It would be like living COVID all over again. Because if church is not important to you, it won't be important to them. Don't expect them to come see me on Sunday night if if we don't want to come on Sundays and Wednesdays. (laughs) Don't expect them to want to do Sunday school and extracurricular programs if that doesn't mean nothing to us. What happens is we we created it. I feel like Wednesday nights gonna eventually in the Universal Church be a thing of the past. Well, Pastor, the kids got homework. The Kids got to be in the bed at this time. The kid, man, I wish I wish to the Lord, my mom thought homework was that important. My mom didn't care if we were having a revival on Tuesday night. If we were having a revival on Tuesday night and it was 10:30 at night, she would lay me under the pew and wake me up and take me home at 11:30 at night, put me to bed and dare me to say something on Wednesday morning. How tired I was. She dared me. I won't say something i want you to say you're tired boy say it she dared me to say she was was tired i'm not tired i love jesus mama i love him i didn't say nothing my eyes couldn't even open i'm praying mama that's not me sleeping i didn't do it why because she she knew how important it was for me to be in god's house oh i still had to get homework done before church started at seven that might mean I had to get home at 4.35, but I was going to get it done before church at 7 or, or on Sunday night. I wasn't going to wait till 5 o'clock on Sunday night to do the science fair project. Hello. Now I'm preaching, but you don't want to hear it. I didn't want to mess up Friday night bowling night, so I didn't make them start it then. I didn't want to mess the Saturday party in the morning and the pool party that afternoon. So the only time, Pastor, I had was 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon for them to get that science fair project done. No, you had plenty of time. You put everything else before God that weekend. So Sunday nights and Wednesday night are going to come thing think of the past because it's not important to the church anymore. I wonder if God feels like that he's intruding on our schedules. Think about how sad that has to be that God feels like he's an intrusion. Not in a good way, but God feels like I, I'm actually intruding on their schedule. Maybe I shouldn't go. What if God sat in heaven and thought, well, I'm not going to come on Sunday night and bless their services because I don't want to inconvenience them and intrude on them. But isn't that how we're living our lives? God, I can't give you three hours or a week or whatever. I can't do it because, God, that's an inconvenience to me. Wow. Here's my prayer for the church today. I am fully aware that there are times Sunday nights are hard. You may not can come every Sunday night or Wednesday. I get it. Y'all want me to be, I'm just going to be honest. I know we're on live stream, we're on Facebook and are people watching me and they're going to probably start writing me off, but I'm going to be honest with you. Do you realize sometimes I don't want to come either? I don't. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you too every Sunday night when I'm sitting or every Sunday afternoon when I'm sitting in my recliner I, I, and the alarm goes off at 4 o'clock for me to get up I have to come back here and prepare and make sure I'm ready for tonight the I'm not going to lie to you and say there are not times I just want to hit the snooze button and say somebody else can preach tonight I don't really feel like going but if I didn't show up you know what you would do be mad <laughs> and you would be calling the council for a reduction of salary really quickly you know what we pay him to come to church He's the only person in church that gets paid to go to church. He can't get up off his sorry behind, out of that recliner, and get to church at six o'clock on Saturday night to preach. That is a sorry pastor. Except when you're the one sitting in the recliner, and you don't have the same convenience to come to the church either because it's an inconvenience for you to get up. So we hit the snooze button and let me come so you can stay home. Now, I know people are watching me right now. There are some probably watching me right now. They hit their snooze button at 4.30 today because it was an inconvenience for them to get up out of their chair to come tonight and hear this message. But you expect us? You expect this whole prayer? You expect Sister Sherry to be here and sing? You expect Larry and Jennifer to play or Brother Annie, Sister Carol or Sister... You expect us to come? But, but, but it's okay if the rest of us don't come. That's a sad day when the church does not have a heart for God anymore. So here's my prayer to the church, and I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna, and then as soon as I get done praying, I'll have Brother Randy pray our benedictory prayer. My prayer is this for the church: God, help us get back to a place. However, you have to do it, God, that nothing else matters but being with you. Even if that means Sunday night services are the only time the Holy Ghost falls. God let it happen on Sunday nights, but I don't care how it has to happen. I'm gonna come every time I possibly can because I just want to experience you. I want more of you. Hey, so now I'm not saying if you're sick or something comes up missing. I'm not talking about something. I'm talking about when it becomes an unhabitual thing, you don't show up, that's a heart problem, not a God and a God problem. That's not anything else, but you got a heart condition. Father. God, I am sorry. I pray on behalf of my own self if I've ever made coming to church seem like it's a burden to my life. If I've ever made coming to church feel like it's an intrusion of my schedule if I ever made coming to Sunday night or Wednesday night or coming to church in general God if I ever made it where it was like I'm just checking off a box because I just need to get it over with but it's really an inconvenience God I am sorry I am sorry if that's how I've lived God I'm sorry as a pastor if I have aided and abetted through social media and technology the ability for people to not come to the house of God so they could be complacent at home God, I'm sorry, but God, my prayer today is I believe if we're not careful, God, we're going to raise the next generation and generations that follow that are going to not know the Lord nor his mighty acts because we didn't let him come and see you in your house enough to experience the mighty acts in your excellent greatness. God, I pray a prayer of repentance and and be apologetic for the universal church not just a specific church but the universal church God we as the body of Christ we are sorry if we have given a false representation of what it means to have a relationship and a desire to want to be in your presence this is your house we should want to be in your house we should long I was glad when they said unto me let us go with the house of the Lord that's not just a Sunday morning only service That's whenever I can go to the house of the Lord moment. I should be glad. As the people of God that stand under the sound of my voice tonight get ready to leave this place. I pray you'd quicken their hearts. You'd you'd churn up their hearts. You'd stir up the gift inside of them. Oh God, let them feel like there's so much more of your presence, your power, your spirit to experience. Don't let them leave this place thinking they have no hope for our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness we dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name it's all in the name of Jesus so Father as we get ready to pray this benedictory prayer disembark from this place go before us may you bless us and keep us in your face shine upon us you be gracious to us lift up your countenance upon us give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts Lord, let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, Brother Andy, if you will pray the benedictory prayer immediately following, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.